This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. So what we're going to do here is we're actually going to go through and we're going to talk about which players I believe are values in each round and which players need to be bumped down to the next round. I know there's a lot of current news going on with like Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, other players like that. So I'm not going to go too much in them. However, I am going to go through some of the players that you do have to bump down to the next round and reasons behind it that are not exactly obvious. So let's go ahead and get started with that. Next round picks. Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, James Conner. That's going to be the first round overall pick with their ADP. I am going off half point PPR, by the way, guys, so keep that in mind. There's an obvious pick for somebody that is potentially a bump. Obviously, we can't bump them up one round, but we can bump them up draft pick wise. And that's going to be uh, Christian McCaffrey for me. He's the only one outside of Alvin Kamara in this uh, first round of running backs that doesn't have any risk. You have Saquon Barkley, who obviously has a horrible, horrible offensive line, didn't really get any better. And honestly, if Daniel Jones does replace Eli Manning, I see his uh, target count going down because there's nobody that dumps off the ball more to the running back than Eli Manning, I believe. You have Ezekiel Elliott with the obvious potential holdout. I don't see that as big of a deal because he has to be back by August 6th in order to honor his contract and to be eligible for free agency that following year. And he, he still is under contract technically for two years, I believe. Alvin Kamara is pretty safe overall, in my opinion. Yeah, he could have some work taken away by Latavius Murray, but it's going to be a very, very similar situation to what he had with Mark Ingram. David Johnson, horrible offensive line, brand new head coach, rookie quarterback, enough being said right there. I, I do think that he does have a bigger season, obviously, than last year because of the pace of play that they're going to be playing, but he's still a risk. Melvin Gordon with the obvious contract situation that we have going on. Le'Veon Bell, horrible offensive line. And, of course, Adam Gase being probably the worst head coach in the league, being his head coach. I don't understand what the Jets saw in Adam Gase, but we'll, we'll cover that in a different day. Uh, James Conner, they're talking about potential touch share with Jalen Samuels. And then you have Joe Mixon, who is behind a horrible offensive line, and they just lost their left tackle for the whole season. The guy that they drafted, not a good situation there for Joe Mixon. So Christian McCaffrey, who put up almost 1,100 yards of rushing last year with seven touchdowns, had 124 targets, which led the NFL for running backs in targets with 107 receptions, which also led the NFL. And then 867 yards receiving with six touchdowns. So we're talking about 13 touchdowns, 2,000 yards. I can see him replicating that again this upcoming year. In fact, I can only see better. He put up uh, right around 274 fantasy points last year, which was third best in the league. And I could even see him topping Todd Gurley's score from last year with the amount of touches he's going to get. We know that Norv Turner loves to use those bell cow running backs. 
We know the system that he's in. And if Cam Newton can get healthy with his shoulder and everything's right in that department, which reports out of camp is that everything's going well, he can open up that offense, and it's only going to open up the field for Christian McCaffrey. They're not going to be able to dial in, just like they did at the tail end of the year with him last year. They are going to run the hell out of Christian McCaffrey. He is going to get even more touches than he did last year. I believe it, I could see him capping right around 350 to 400 touches this upcoming year. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. I have him right around 370. So Christian McCaffrey is my number one overall pick this upcoming year. Hands down, no doubt. He's put on a little bit of weight, which typically I don't like, but it is all muscle. He's been showing it off, and reports are that he's looking great um, in the offseason. So there's an obvious bump here for me, um, and that's going to be uh, Le'Veon Bell. Um, Le'Veon Bell is going to be behind a horrible offensive line with a horrible offensive coach and a younger quarterback. Now I'm hoping for Sam Donald to explode this year. I'm hoping that somehow they find value from James Crowder, Robbie Anderson, Anunua, but I just don't see Le'Veon Bell getting up to the point where he's being taken at the seventh overall running back. I have him down at number 10, um, which would actually put him in the middle of the second round. I think that's where he belongs. He's only going to rise with the news coming out with Gordon and potentially Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see what happens with that one. But I don't see Le'Veon Bell getting even close to what he's projected out of this year and especially where he's drafted. Le'Veon Bell for me is a joke in number seven overall. I could see him even landing between the 12th overall and the 15th overall running back if they continue to show that they can't produce as an offense and that offensive line can't block. They literally had one of the worst offensive lines last year. I believe they were 32nd ranked in yards created for the running back. That's not good, guys. I don't care how good you are. If you cannot get out from behind that line and you're looking at five guys wearing the other jersey standing in front of you and not your offensive line, I don't know what you're going to do about that. Yes, he might have his big games here and there, but I just don't see it happening with, uh, with Le'Veon Bell this year. So going into the second round, we have Joe Mixon, Odell Beckham, Todd Gurley, Juju Smith-Schuster, Dalvin Cook, Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Damian Williams, Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and Aaron Jones. Um, so this is a little interesting, guys. Uh, I think that um, with this one, you might see Odell Beckham sneak into the next round, especially in half-point PBRs, possibly Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Um, I think Todd Gurley is fairly priced where he is. But don't sleep on Todd Gurley, guys. Even if you end up taking, you know, 25% of his workload off, you're still looking at over 1,000 yards rushing and over 300, 300 to 400 yards uh, receiving. And even if we take down his touchdown regression, you're still looking at over 15 touchdowns on the year. And that's at 25% off. Yes, he is a little scary to draft just because of the way that, with what happened with him at the end of the season last year, you know, kind of ruined some people's fantasy championships right after he saved him the previous year. But Todd Gurley is still a value in the second round. If we took him down 25% on his fantasy points, he still would have finished as the running back seven. Listen, guys, running back seven, if you took away 25% of his fantasy points, he is being drafted right now at the running back 10, and he's only falling further in drafts. So if you can get him as a running back 10, take him. However, my biggest rise on this one is going to be Mike Evans. He is going to be with the Bruce Arians offense. He's one of my guys that I constantly talk about, constantly promote. Mike Evans has a ton of potential to be something huge in this offense. Last year, he finished up wide receiver six last year with over 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. That's only going to come up. He was only 20 points away from being a top three wide receiver. 
Antonio Brown beat him out by 19 points with Bruce Arians and a Bruce Arians-led offense with Jameis Winston just chucking the ball down the field. He has extreme potential to increase the yardage and the touchdown rate. I can see Mike Evans finishing up the year next year with almost 1,700 yards and probably closer to 10 to 12 touchdowns. If he put up 10 to 12 touchdowns and another 200 yards, you're talking about him being the wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and you're getting him as the last pick or second last pick in the second round. Mike Evans is a huge buy for me. You need to move him up your draft boards. He belongs in the middle, mid-range, even high-end range. Mike Evans' floor is probably at 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns, his floor. So if you ended up taking away, let's just say, the 200 yards receiving, he would still finish up as the number 10 wide receiver. He is being drafted right now as a number nine wide receiver. He could finish his floor as the 10th wide receiver. You need to move him up. The people that are still ahead of him are Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, who probably belongs ahead of him, to be honest with you, Damian Williams, Nick Chubb, Travis Kelsey, Dalvin Cook. He belongs right at the 205, right ahead of Dalvin Cook. I don't know what people are thinking knocking Mike Evans so far down the draft boards. He is a buy for me every time. I even think he belongs above uh, Odell Beckham this year, to be honest with you. So he could end up going, you know, if you don't feel safe taking Todd Gurley, even Joe Mixon. God, now that I'm looking at this, I would actually probably have Mike Evans as my 202, 203 pick. Now, bump down, um, Joe Mixon, huge candidate for a bump down for me. Obviously, we talked about the offensive line and how beat up that offensive line is, not having a left tackle. He, for me, is going almost tailing down into the third round, but I think I, I believe I still have him at the, the back half of my second. Joe Mixon um, is obviously going to be my bump. Uh, he does not belong at the top half of the second round. I don't know what people were thinking. That offensive line is completely destroyed. That left tackle that they just drafted out for the year, the red rifle is just going to get teed off on this whole entire season. So that means that you're going to end up having a backup in, and then they're going to run the ball with Joe Mixon. But guess what? Joe Mixon does not have an offensive line. Joe Mixon is going to be splitting snaps with Giovanni Bernard. They've already talked about it. They've moved Giovanni Bernard all over the formation, and they said that you're using Giovanni Bernard more than they ever have. So if those snaps or those touches start to disintegrate from Joe Mixon, what does he have? What is the benefit of having Joe Mixon? There isn't one. Joe Mixon does not belong in the first part of the second round. I'm not taking Joe Mixon anywhere. In fact, I'm ending up with zero shares of Joe Mixon. I think it's hilarious when I see people going in the first round after him. In order to be a top-end running back like he's being drafted, you have to get targets. There were only three players in the top 12 last year to have under 60 targets. Three. And one was Derrick Henry, who had that monster game, and I'm not taking that away from him. Those monster games will happen for your players. So yes, he is a top 12 running back. But there's only three players and one was Joe Mixon, and one was Kareem Hunt, who obviously only played 11 games, and he had potential to break 60 targets for sure. You know, you talk about playing another five games, having a total of 15 targets more. He would have broken that 60-target line. If we take that into account, there's just not going to be options for Joe Mixon. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. They're going to be throwing a lot. His target, his touch count's going to go down, obviously, like we talked about with Giovanni Bernard. And just being a complete beast. And he doesn't have an offensive line to run behind. There's just no reason that Joe Mixon should be that high up. So for the third round, we have T.Y. Hilton. 
Keenan Allen, Leonard Fournette, Marlon Mack, Adam Thielen, A.J. Green, Devonta Freeman, Zach Ertz, Derrick Henry, Amari Cooper, Patrick Mahomes, and Carrion Johnson. So every week I'm going to do a fun fact of the day, guys. Um, this week's fun fact is starting in 2013, A.J. Green has, had, has played a full season healthy every other year. 2013, 16 games. 2014, 12. 2015, 16 games. 2016, 10. 2017 is 16 games. And 2018 is 9. So guess what? We're getting a healthy season out of A.J. Green if he keeps on going that way. But the best part about it is his points per game has stuck. He's only had two seasons, one being his rookie year and one being 2017, where his fantasy points per game dropped below 14.3 and half point PPR. That means that he's finishing up as a top 10 player every year in points per game. But if he's healthy this year and he is producing and he puts up, you know, wide receiver six numbers, wide receiver seven, like he's in that, that top seven, which he has more than potential to pick to, to get up there. He is the only one to have potential to finish as a top three wide receiver. AJ Green is a steal at 306. Um, for me, I'm looking at, at AJ Green as back end of the second round. I'm taking him over guys like Marlon Mack, Leonard Fournette. Aaron Jones is arguable. You can go with him. Uh, I'm taking him over T.Y. Hilton. I'm taking him over Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen has the same injury history as A.J. Green does. But it's an odd year. It's 2019, guys. So that means that A.J. Green is going to be healthy if it goes just like it has been for the past five, six years. I'm going to read off Keenan Allen's uh, game log for you guys. It's been, he's played 15 games, 14 games, 8 games, 1 game, and then the past two years he has put together 16-game uh, seasons. He is just as injury prone as A.J. Green is. If Melvin Gordon comes back to the Chargers, which hopefully he does for you know everybody playing fantasy, it's no fun to have players out. But if, if Melvin Gordon comes back, how many games do you think the Chargers can be, be down? How many games do you think they're going to need to be passing? You look at T.Y. Hilton. How many other options does Andrew Luck have to pass to? These guys should be sinking, and A.J. Green should be rising to the start of the third round. Maybe even late second. Um, a guy that I'm going to bump down. Um, let's see. Leonard Fournette in half-point PPR is possible, but he is going to get the workload. I just don't see him there. Keenan Allen, like we talked about. However, I'm still going to leave him a little bit higher up on my board just until we find out what's going on with Melvin Gordon. Um, T.Y. Hilton's possible, but T.Y. Hilton does have those weak winners in him. Derrick Henry, the volume's going to be there. Zach Ertz, uh, like I said, it's potentially, but I think he, I think I'm going to leave him there for now. But don't forget, he does have Dallas Goddard behind him. Huge red zone target. There's potential that the Goddard does move forward this year and, and take some targets away from Zach Ertz. We'll see what happens with that situation. Um, Pat Mahomes, I'm not drafting a quarterback this early. I know that he just got Tyreek Hill back, and yes, I do think that he's going to finish up as quarterback one, but I don't take a quarterback this early, so it's kind of a waste of time for me to go into that. So I'm going to bump back Devonta Freeman um, to the next round. I don't see the value of Devonta Freeman. I think that the Falcons are going to be passing a ton. Hopefully their defense can stay healthy this year, and they're not going to be down as in, in as many games, but they still have to compete against the Saints. They still have to compete against... The Panthers, they still have to compete against Tampa Bay Bucks. They have a pass-heavy schedule, and they're going to be passing. Matt Ryan was the number two-ranked quarterback last year. It's going to be very similar to last year. I see him definitely as a top six, which means that Devonta Freeman is not going to get that many touches. 
Now, Devontae Freeman did, yes, he did have a beast year in 2015. Putting up 284.4 fantasy points, averaging 19 points per game. That's insane. But since then, 16.2 points per game, 13.2 points per, per game, 5.8 points per game. Yes, he only played in two games. I know he got hurt. His target share has dipped. So 2015, he had 97 targets. 2016, 65 targets. 2017, 47 targets. The targets just have not been there for him. And yes, Dirk Cutter did use him as a satellite back his rookie year to an extent. He didn't really see the field too much. He only had 65 attempts rushing, um, but he did have 38 uh, targets receiving. So I guess Dirk Cutter did to an extent use him um, as a as a satellite back. However, I don't see that happening again. Devontae Freeman is passing his prime slowly, but I don't. I see a dip in targets coming again this year. I mean, you look at like Peyton Barber, for example. He was the lead running back for the Buccaneers under Dirk Cutter. Only 29 targets. Yes, I know that Peyton Barber is not necessarily receiving back, but I just see the same sort of thing happening to Devontae Freeman. I think he's, he needs to get bumped down to the middle of the fourth round. Uh, that's where I have him behind guys like David Montgomery, but I got to see the preseason with David Montgomery. I definitely be have, have him behind Josh Jacobs, Stefan Diggs, Julian Edelman, Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's right around the Mark Ingram for me. Potentially Philip Lindsay, depending on how that goes in Denver. Uh, Chris Carson. I think I have him right behind Chris Carson, which puts him into the fifth round. If, if he sinks into the fourth round, I, I probably would take him over David Montgomery if I'm doing a draft this early, so that way I have less risk. But I just don't see Devontae Freeman at the middle of the third round. That's, that's too much skin in the game at that point for somebody that I just don't see getting the, getting the touches like they did before. So starting up with the fourth round picks, we got George Kittle, Josh Jacobs, Stefan Diggs, Julian Edelman, David Montgomery, Brandon Cooks, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, Chris Carson, and finishing that up is Sonny Michelle. If I can get George Kittle in the fourth round, I'd be pretty stoked on that. I do think his uh, target share is going to come down. The second leading receiver for the San Francisco 49ers only had 66 targets last year with Kenny, Kendrick Bourne, and he might not even make the roster. I understand that, but they did add Debo Samuel. Pettis is coming into his own, but I would be pretty stoked with him there. Uh, looking at Josh Jacobs as well. I really like Josh Jacobs there. He's going to get a ton of volume. Stefan Diggs, great pick. Uh, in the fourth round, uh, I have him more in the late third round to an extent. Julian Edelman is going to get a ton, a ton of work in New England. See what happens with that. David Montgomery is still a little risky for me at this point. But the guy that I'm going to move up on this list, who is going at 4'11", is going to be Chris Carson. He's being drafted as a 25th or 24th, anywhere in the 20s uh, for running backs, which is just absurd to me. I don't understand why he's getting pushed back. Seattle's not going to change their game. They're going to do the same thing they did, that they did last year. And I don't understand why he's behind a lot of these guys like David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay. Mike Davis last year ran the ball 112 times and was targeted 42 times. That means that you're vacating 154 targets. Rashad Penny? had 85 carries with 12 targets. That's 97 total, along with 154, which would put you, what, at 245, 250? So if Rashad Penny takes all of Mike Davis's work and Chris Carson gets none of it, that means that Chris Carson is still getting 271 touches. He finished up as the running back 14 last year. 
Even if you give away 10, 15, even 20 carries, he would still finish with over 1,000 yards rushing and 163 yards. Rashad Penny's not going to be a vulture. Like, Rashad Penny's not going to take away goal line touches. That's still going to Chris Carson. Chris Carson had nine touchdowns last year. Let's just say that he regresses to seven. He would still finish up as the 20th overall running back. This makes no sense, and it's kind of pissed me off a little bit that people are literally disrespecting Chris Carson to this extent. This guy is a workhorse. He is the man in Seattle. They love Chris Carson. They don't love Rashad Penny. Even if you take a little bit away from Chris Carson and you give Rashad Penny all of Mike Davis's touches, all of them, you're still looking at a top 20 running back that's getting drafted as the 24th, 25th, 26th overall running back. It makes no sense to me. I have Chris Carson finishing in the top 15 personally. I don't think that he's going to get anything taken away from him. In fact, I could see you know a couple more touches, especially goal line touches potentially. And I know that he does have an injury history. So that does scare me a little bit. But they are going to run this guy into the ground constantly. The only fear in the half-point PPR is the fact that he does not get targets. Like I said, only 24 targets the previous year, 20 receptions. That's a little bit scary thing when you talk about you know 100, 195 point four points last year total of 26 came from actually receiving but hey the guy is still young he played 14 games last year what else do you want in the almost the fifth round he's literally the second to last pick in the fourth round you couldn't ask for a better player starting running back this is your guy this is your guy in the fourth round now if i had to pick a guy to bump out of the fourth round into the fifth i gotta go kenny galladay on this one you know david montgomery he'd be you know, potentially bump, but like I said, I want to see what happens there. You know, if David Montgomery's getting, let's just say, 60% of the touches, that's enough for me to keep him in the fourth round. Obviously, you have Tariq Cohen, you have Mike Davis there, kind of spoil it for you. Now, if he's only getting 40%, yeah, I'm probably going to end up bumping him, but if he's getting 60% of the touches there, he's still going to be in the back half of the fourth round. However, with Kenny Galladay, I'm bumping way down. Detroit does not want to pass the ball. Kenny Galladay isn't polished yet he's still a little raw Matthew Stafford did not look good last year I believe this is the first time in his career where he passed for under 4,000 yards he only had 367 attempts yes Detroit does not really have depth at wide receiver we'll call it depth they did add a tight end who might take away a few targets especially in the red zone that's always possible with Kenny Galladay this year I don't really see too much more than he did last year he put up 1,063 receiving yards with five touchdowns maybe 1,200 yards possibly but I don't really see more than 1,100. He had 119 targets with 70 receptions, so in conversion rate wasn't that great on receptions. He only got five touchdowns last year, maybe bump it up to seven touchdowns. So yeah, if we end up getting him those numbers and he does perform, you're looking at it, hey, he could end up being receiver 17. He's getting drafted as receiver 18. That was last year. There's going to be a huge influx of talent coming into the league this year when it comes to wide receiver. You have some players that are destined to go off, people like Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, if he's you know healthy for a full season, um, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, DJ Moore. Obviously, Jarvis Landry's been there for a while, but he could have some targets open up to him with him being in the slot, to where he can jump up. He yeah, he finished one head uh, one spot ahead of Kenny Galladay last year as one of his worst seasons. He literally had almost fifty percent receiving. It was just terrible. Him moving back in the slot is going to be a great thing for Jarvis Landry. I could see him moving up. But the reality is, guys, is these players could all jump Kenny Galladay with their potential. And at this point, I'm looking for a potential superstar in the fifth round. This is where I take my first big shot. And Kenny Galladay, that's his ceiling right where he's at. If he puts up another, you know, we'll say another 
10 to 20, we'll say 20 points this year to his uh, season-long total, that's his cap, at least up until he proves otherwise. But Detroit is going to run the ball. That's why they're investing so much into the running back position. I just don't see Kenny Galladay ever getting past that you know, 200-point uh, uh, threshold. So for the fifth round, starting out with uh, Andrew Luck, Chris Godwin, Kenyon Drake, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, O.J. Howard, Aaron Rodgers, James White, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Deshaun Watson, Jarvis Landry, and that's it. Deshaun Watson and then finishing up with Jarvis Landry. So, I love the fifth round this year. This has got to be my favorite round of the whole draft. It, it, it's filled with superstars. I wish I could spread them out. Uh, chances are it's in the fourth round. I might end up reaching depending on who's sitting there into one of the ADP fifth rounds because I think that people are undervaluing certain players. Uh, Chris Godwin last year finished up as the wide receiver 25. He had uh, 95 targets on 842 yards and seven touchdowns. I think that that skyrockets this year. I think he ends up finishing up with 1,200 yards. Um, probably close to seven, maybe 10 touchdowns. Uh, if he can get 10 touchdowns, that would be excellent. But you're almost doubling his yardage total. Uh, I believe that he has the most potential to go from the position he was at last year and literally cutting his overall rank in half. He could end up being the top 12 receiver potentially. I have him ranked uh, right around that range. or I'm sorry, I have him ranked right around receiver uh, 15, 16 as of right now, but with more and more reports I keep hearing, he's just rising up my board. Um, Kenyon Drake, I think is being tremendously undervalued. He showed that he could produce at better levels when he saw the field. However, Adam Gase wanted to put out the guy with the walker, Frank Gore, on the field instead. Kenyon Drake has the ability to be a top 12 running back, and he's the only one at this point, running back-wise, that has that potential, in my opinion, being drafted this late. Um, Tyler Lockett, obviously, is going to be the wide receiver one in Seattle. Cooper Cup, um, unfortunately... Not a big fan of him this year. It's going to take him a while to get healthy. Um, however, dynasty-wise, I'm trading for him all over the place. He's Jared Goff's safety blanket. He makes sure everything's okay with baby Goff. And O.J. Howard, I think, has a monstrous year. Um, if he sinks into the sixth round just because of his position-wise, I'm taking him. If my guys are off the board by this point in the fifth round, I'm taking him. Um, James White uh, finished as the running back 11, I believe, in half-point PPR. James White finishes the running back eight overall in half-point PPR last year. And to be honest with you, I don't see that changing. Santa Michelle has a knee scope going on, and James White is a beast. Uh, he's with, uh, with Gronk being gone, his touch is only going to go up. Uh, James White, another one of those players that could potentially end up in the top 12. I don't know if that happens this year, but there is potential. You have Calvin Ridley and Mike Williams. Uh, coming off uh, younger seasons, they're both going to be matured and developed. Uh, I have Mike Williams as one of my sleeper picks, which I believe most industry does. Nobody really knows why he's going so late um, ADP-wise. I believe everybody's concerned with Mike Williams is how he can sustain 10 touchdowns on only 43 receptions. That's pretty much out of every four passes he caught was a touchdown, which is obviously insane. Um, the only other player that was close to that was Tyler Lockett, who had 17.5% touchdown reception rate which is also insanely high as well. But guess what? Tyrell Williams is out. And I know people are concerned that Hunter Henry will be taking up some of those targets, but the reality is he only had 12 ends in targets in 2018. 
you have to think that goes up, especially with Tyrell Williams being gone. There's no way that he only gets 12 red zone targets again this year. You have to think that it could go up to 15, even 20 is not unreasonable being on the field opposite of Keenan Allen, who's not a known red zone threat. I mean, he was only on the field for, I believe, uh, 63% of the snaps. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one. You take Tyrell Williams and his 65 vacated targets, 41 receptions, and two touchdowns. And you don't even give all those yards to Mike Williams. You just give him, you know, an extra 400 or so. Put him right at about 1,000 yards. We'll give him 70 receptions, and we'll keep him at 10 touchdowns. That puts him right around 200 points. I believe it's 195 points, which would knock him up to wide receiver 15. I don't think that's that outlandish. I think that's extremely possible. He's getting drafted like 23 to 25 range um, out of wide receivers. I think he has tremendous, tremendous upside, um, just like Chris Godwin does. He's going to be my my nudge up to the next round. Now, if I had to, play, to pick a player or to, to bump down out of the fifth round in the sixth, uh, it's going to be Cooper Cup, hands down. He's not going to be healthy. One, he's only nine months removed from an ACL tear. That typically takes people, what, a year to recover from? Let's just say that he's, he is a full go at week one. Is he in football shape? No. Has he had off-season workouts? Absolutely not. Yeah, he's doing the best that he can. Don't get me wrong, but this can take him six, ten weeks to get back up to where he needs to be. Like I said, I'm targeting Cooper Cup in every dynasty league. That's just a knockdown. Like, I mean, wait till week six and people are starting to fear that he's never going to be the same. I'm trading for him every single chance that I get. I don't care you know, what it takes. I'm getting Cooper Cup. He was wide receiver two last year up until he got hurt. He has a ton of potential, ton of upside, but this year in a single season league, I am not getting Cooper Cup in any of my drafts. I even have him, I think I believe, I believe I have him at the end of the sixth round even. So monitor that guys, see if he drops. If he drops, he will be there for your fantasy championships. So make sure you have him then. But keep an eye on Cooper Cup. That was a little bit of an easy one. So if I'm going to bump another guy down, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I don't see him having a huge season. Uh, yes, he does have a new coach with Matt LaFleur, but Matt LaFleur wasn't necessarily known for putting the best options on the field in Tennessee. I don't really know how he got the head coaching job necessarily outside of Derrick Henry's end of the season run you know, and getting them into the playoffs. But to be honest with you, I just don't see what they see in Matt LaFleur being the head coach. Maybe they needed a, just a puppet for Aaron Rodgers to play with. But Aaron Rodgers, for me, is not above Deshaun Watson. He is not the third-ranked quarterback. You guys are chasing the past. Honestly, I have him probably down at like number six or seven overall quarterback for me, behind guys like Matt Ryan. He's right there with Baker Mayfield, but he's definitely behind Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson has as much upside as Patrick Mahomes. And Andrew Luck, who's slightly ahead of Aaron Rodgers, has a ton more upside with that crazy offensive line and all the new toys that he has in Indianapolis. Aaron Rodgers isn't even close to that for me. Bump Aaron Rodgers down outside of that round. No chance in hell that he finishes as the number three overall quarterback. So for the next round, we're looking at um, three Cohen to start that out. DJ Moore, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Lamar Miller, Telvin Coleman, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Darius Geis, Alshon Jeffrey, Baker Mayfield, and Eric Ebron. So, uh, let's see. Um, I like Tariq Cohen, but he's a little bit too high for my taste. We'll see how he's used this upcoming year. I know that they wanted players that can run and catch the ball, which is why they went with Montgomery. 
So we'll see if Tariq Cohen's touches get reduced or if he moves into a kind of like a slot role. Got to see what happens with that in the preseason. DJ Moore, love DJ Moore this year as long as Cam Newton's healthy. Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry, they're pretty equal for me. I see Hunter or I see Evan Ingram as more of an upside play while Hunter Henry is going to be more of a safe play. I think the Hunter Henry has a ton of potential, especially if Melvin Gordon does not play this year. Um, Lamar Miller, guys, is extremely, extremely interesting for me. I really like Lamar Miller. He's pretty much like a Jeep Wrangler. He's going to last you a long time. He's going to get you from point A to point B. Yeah, you're going to have some rough patches every now and then, but he's going to get through it. I've been really intrigued with the Devontae Foreman potential. So if I am taking Lamar Miller here, I'm taking Devontae Foreman in the back half of the draft. However, Lamar Miller, if you're in a bad spot, you went three wide receivers, you went wide receiver at tight end, you didn't get in your running backs in time. You didn't like them you know, in the previous rounds. You still need a running back to fill in. Yes, he should not be your, your running back one. But he's still a good consolation prize for running back two if you waited. Lamar Miller is a tremendous pick here, but he's properly valued. Don't go chase him in like the fifth round unless you d- desperately need a running back. But I actually have Lamar Miller slightly above Tariq Cohen up until we found out what happens in Chicago. Um, Tevin Coleman, I'm not touching anywhere. I just, it's too much of a clusterfuck in that backfield. Um, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, both value picks there. Obviously, Tyler Boyd being the number two receiver with Robbie Anderson potentially being the number one receiver. Um, Darius Geis, yes, he's finally sinking down boards. I remember in the beginning of the summer when people were taking him in the second or in the third, fourth round. Guys, even if he is healthy by that point, you still have Adrian Peterson in the way. Alshon Jeffrey, Baker Mayfield, Eric Ebron. Let's see, who do I want is my value pick? I'm going to have to go DJ Moore um, if he's healthy. He finished up as the 34th overall receiver last year, um, only getting 55 receptions from 82 targets. Cam Newton's healthy. That is going up. He is going to be over the 100 targets. It's 788 uh, receiving yards. That's going to go up to over 1,000 in my opinion. Uh, potentially 1,200. You never know what happens with Carolina and how that ends up. But the biggest thing that he's going to increase for him is he only had two touchdown receptions last year. That's going to jump at least, let's say, six. So if we give him those stats where we say 1,000 yards receiving, we say that he has 80 total reception. That'd be 176 points. That'd be right at wide receiver 20. I think that's definitely possible. Uh, Carolina is going to win this year, which you know I do see some potential. Carolina has to expect some stuff out of their wide receivers because um, Curtis Samuel wasn't did what they could. DJ Moore did what they could, but they were young players. If DJ Moore can make that maturing second-year leap, he's going to be a monster. He's going to finish out as a wide receiver two. And right now he's going as a wide receiver three. That would be who I would pick to jump up one round, although he is going as a second or third pick. He's going as a second pick in uh, round six so it's not that big of a jump uh, but like I was talking about earlier um, when it came to uh, why I don't think Galladay is that much of a value is there so many players that have the ability to make that jump and like I talked about earlier these are the rounds where I'm taking my my shots if I if I take my safer picks typically that comes in uh, round seven but rounds four through six I'm taking a few shots because that's how you win your, your leagues is when you do hit on those players that have potential to be wide receiver or running back one or two, and you get them as a wide receiver three or four. Those little tiny extra nudges are what wins you those leagues, along with finding the the late round flyers. And then having your solid one through three rounds 
being safe picks. If you get what you expect to get out of those players in the first three rounds, and then you get more than what you expect in rounds four through seven, and then you get one shot, one guy that you don't expect to go off at all, and he goes off for you, that you get in like rounds you know, 10 through 13, you're great. And then if you have any injury problems, that's where I'm getting my safer picks, rounds seven through nine. I'll, I'll go through that um, when I cover the next round, but let me go with a, uh, a nudge down to the next round. And it could be Tevin Coleman, uh, Darius Geis. But those guys, for me, I'm not really feeling, uh, mainly because of shares of other players. Darius Geis is the second running back in that offense, possibly third, depending on how Adrian Peterson does and if Chris Thompson's healthy. They're not going to use Darius Geis on third down work, so he's just going to spell Adrian Peterson when he's you know trying to get some breaths. And Tevin Coleman's in the same situation, except for he is their starting running back. So I'm going to have to go with Darius Geis being the bump. We already talked about he's not going to be healthy for, for week one. Even if he is, he's still going to sit there and, and take snaps behind Adrian Peterson. I'm expecting Darius Geis to get maybe five touches uh, up until week four. And then this slowly increases workload as the season goes on. They realize that, it, hey, it's a lost season, but they're never going to overwork him. Redskins, I think, know what they have coming this year, and it's not going to be good. So they're not going to completely, well, hopefully, they're not going to ruin their players for the future by just trying to win a game here or a game there. I think Darius Geis is going to be a great grab, especially for Dynasty Leagues. If you're sitting there and you know that you're not going to end up winning this year, trade away somebody that's a little bit older that, to a team that needs to win now if they have Darius Geis and grab Darius Geis up right at the trade deadline. Um, he's going to be gold for you in years to come. But this year, Darius Geis is getting bumped down for me until about the eighth round. The only chance that Darius Geis has producing is if Adrian Peterson gets hurt by week six or so. And then Darius Geis can step into a full-time role. But don't forget, they did draft Bryce Love as well. He's going to need to get some plays. They have Chris Thompson, who's an excellent satellite back. And once again, we talked about Adrian Peterson. Oh, and don't forget, Trent Williams might not even play for the Redskins. He's the solid anchor to that offensive line, and he might not even be there. Their guard situation is not good. Their right tackle situation is average at best. If they have to lean on Brandon Sheriff being the right guard for them to run the ball behind every single time, that's going to be pretty predictable. They're just going to load up the box. I do not see Gary, Darius Geis, even if he does end up stepping into Adrian Peterson's workload, having a great year this year. It's just not in the cards for him. So... This is where we talk about the safer picks for me, my insurance policies. This round, we have Rashad Penny, Daryl Henderson, Dante Pettis, Sammy Watkins, Matt Ryan, Allen Robinson, Latavius Murray, Christian Kirk, Jared Cook, Drew Brees, Miles Sanders, and Vance McDonald. Wow, Vance is flying up these boards, man. I remember when Vance was going ninth round. That was sweet. I loved Vance in the ninth round. I was taking him in every draft, but he is slowly rising up boards. He's, if he ends up in the top half of the seventh round, I'm not taking him. He's still to an extent of value in the back half of the seventh round. Um, but I don't have him any too much higher than that. Um, we talked about Rashad Penny earlier. If he does get all of Mike Davis's uh, touches that he left behind, Rashad Penny does have some potential, but he would have to get all of those touches, which I don't really see that happening with CJ Procise coming back healthy this year. They're saying he was looking good, but you know, with the Seahawks, they're always talking positive about all their players. So you don't really know what's true and what's not. Um, Daryl Henderson, if I took Todd Gurley, I'm taking Daryl Henderson right here and I'm not even blinking. I might even take Malcolm Brown as well later in the rounds just to make sure that my first round pick, if he doesn't hit, that I have an insurance policy for him. And like I said, guys, this is my insurance round. This is where I'm getting players that are extremely, extremely solid that might put up a little bit less points who would be there initially if I did have a player injured, but they're still going to put up points for me. So somebody like Dante Pettis, 
who put up 10 points uh, per game. He only played nine games last year. But when he did play, especially towards the end of the season, he was stellar. He's a huge insurance policy for, him, for me. If you end up uh, projecting his stats out, he ends up finishing with right around 900 yards last year if he played all the games. He's only going to be better. They're talking about Debo Samuels taking the ball away. They're completely different players. They don't play the same position. He had 45 targets last year, 27 receptions. Didn't really play with Garoppolo. Five touchdowns. The guy just had a nose for the end zone. If we end up taking those numbers and breaking them down, we give him something along the lines of 900 yards with eight touchdown receptions and 50 receptions overall, you're still talking about right around 160, 165 points. That would have put him right there in the wide receiver two category, back into wide receiver two at 20, 23rd overall. He is extremely solid. He's an extremely high value. I'm taking Dante Pettis. I'm getting a lot, a lot of shares of Dante Pettis. Sammy Watkins is safe. However, with Tyreek Hill coming back, not really interested in Sammy Watkins. Matt Ryan, if you need a quarterback, I still think that's too high, but he is a value here going as like the number six, number five or number six overall quarterback. I still wait if I'm at this point though. Allen Robinson, I'm just not a believer. I think he has his best year behind him. Latavius um, Murray is an extremely, extremely safe pick. Um, he's going to get the touches. He's going to play the Mark Ingram role. And Mark Ingram, even though he missed a significant amount of games last year, he's, he's still been a top-end running back. In fact, I believe that New Orleans Saints has the most points for the running back since Alvin Kamara came in the league for their running back one and two. So Latavius Murray still has value. Um, great insurance policy. Christian Kirk, um, who could have a huge year, especially like we talked about with David Johnson, having the increased snap percentage. They're going to run an extremely fast-paced offense this year, and Christian Kirk's targets are only going to go up. Uh, Jared Cook with New Orleans, he could end up playing that Jimmy, Jimmy Graham role. You never know. I'm not ending up with very many shares of Jared Cook unless he falls. Uh, Drew Brees, nowhere near my quarterbacks at this point. He was terrible. When he did not play at home. When he played when he was away last year, he was brutally bad. I mean, if I could take uh, you know, somehow com combined Ben Roethlisberger at home while Drew Brees gets played home, I would love that. Just alternate them every week. Probably have a, the quarterback one. But yeah, no, he's nowhere near this draft pick. Um and Miles Sanders. I don't know what's going on there, guys. They have eight running backs. Eight running backs on their roster right now. I, I don't know what's going on with Philadelphia. Uh, maybe the Miles Sanders injury is, is worse than what they thought. I don't see why they'd go out and re-sign Aaron Sproles. It just doesn't make very much sense um, if, if Miles Sanders is actually healthy. I mean, they would end up having to cut four running backs to make him even close to being valid. But I don't see them re-signing Darren Sproles just to cut him in the preseason. I think uh, Darren Sproles is going to be there to stay if, if there is something going on with Miles Sanders. My pick for who is the value here? I really want to go Dante Pettis, but we already reviewed him. So I'm going to do uh, Christian Kirk as my bump up. Um, Christian Kirk had a great year last year. He is one of those up-and-coming wide receivers that has a ton of potential. Yes, they did draft a whole slew of uh, wide receivers and picked up a bunch of free agents, and they're actually loaded. The Cardinals are loaded at wide receiver this year. But in 12 games, Christian Kirk with Josh Rosen at quarterback, it was it was ugly. I'll just put it that way. At best, ugly. Um, had 43 receptions for 600, almost 600 yards and three touchdowns. He had 102 fantasy points last year, and I could see him getting 
very similar uh, numbers to what we talked about with uh, Dante Pettis. I think they're almost like the same player to an extent, except for I think Dante Pettis has a better nose for the end zone. But if we give Christian Kirk, uh, we'll say eight touchdowns this year, 900 receiving yards, and the same amount of receptions, it's going to be extremely, extremely similar to that back-end wide receiver two, early wide receiver three numbers, and you're getting an extreme value on them. Like I said, I mean, it's it's tough for me to choose between Dante Pettis and Christian Kirk because I feel like it's the same exact player in very similar situations to where they beefed up their receiving game. They have a certain style of play that benefits them, and they both have good quarterbacks thrown to them now that did not have good quarterbacks last year. We'll see what happens with, with this whole situation, and I think Christian Kirk's situation might benefit him a little better being so fast-paced. But if that offensive line can't hold up, he might not see as many deep targets, which wasn't very many in the first place, but he's still going to get those targets. He's still going to get those numbers. I see Christian Kirk still being as a wide receiver, early wide receiver three, possibly wide receiver two, right there with Dante Pettis. So he gets bumped up for me. All right, next round, we got Will Fuller, Jordan Howard, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Sterling Shepard, Royce Freeman, Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Marvin Jones, David Njoku, Geronimo Allison, and Austin Eckler. Guys, you have to consider Austin Eckler value here because he could be the starter for the Chargers. However, I think his ADP is going to just soar over the next few weeks right on with uh, Justin Jackson. So I can't consider him here necessarily. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'm not going to review him just because of that reason. Um, Jordan Howard here, once again, I don't know what's going on with Philadelphia's line, so I'm probably not going to be touching Jordan Howard, although if there is goal line work, it is going to Jordan Howard, so he does have potential. I see him in a very similar situation as Royce Freeman last year, and although that does make you cringe a little bit, he still had usable weeks. You just had to know when they were. I think Jordan Howard has a little bit more upside uh, as well than what the Royce Freeman situation was last year. Uh, Jordan Howard for the past three years has actually gone up in receiving percentage. His receiving percentage was actually really good last year. I believe it went all the way up to 72% or something along those lines. So keep an open mind for that. He can still catch the ball regardless of what they're saying. Um, Sterling Shepard, he could be the starting wide receiver on his team. At round eight, I'd be happy taking him. However, by this point, I typically have my wide receiver set. Where I see a wide receiver in the following round, and I wanted to take a shot at a running back at this point. Royce Freeman saying that he's going to go 50-50 targets with uh, Philip Lindsay, I could take that shot right there. He has a lot of potential to move up to a running back three, you know, playing a, a flex position. And if Philip Lindsay gets hurt again, which I know it's just, you know, a wrist injury, that's not likely to be re-aggravated, but there's still a chance that if, if he does get injured, Royce Freeman has the talent. I'm still a believer in Royce Freeman. He's with the new coaching staff. We got to see what happens with Royce Freeman there in Denver. But... I'm feeling good about Royce Freeman this upcoming year when it comes to his value of where he's being drafted. Um, Cream Hunt, which is driving me nuts. I don't know why you'd take a guy that is going to be out eight games, then has a bye week. Ronald Jones, Marvin Jones, both those guys are risky picks, especially with Detroit not wanting to pass. Um, if you look at the matchups, you can definitely play Marvin Jones in certain situations where maybe they don't have speed guys at cornerback, or maybe they like to blitz their safeties. And if they're doing that, then you could expect Marvin Jones to have a game where he just goes off. And in best ball leagues, I'm grabbing him up in a lot of different places. But Marvin Jones is somebody to rely on, which is typically like I talked about earlier. This is the rounds I'm doing it. I'm not grabbing Marvin Jones. Um, David Njoku and Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison's kind of falling off a cliff a little bit here. So that scares me a little bit. And then Austin Eckler, who, like I said, hey, if I have Melvin Gordon, I'm grabbing Austin Eckler here. I'm grabbing him even earlier than this. 
So for me, at this point, uh, I'm looking at also Kyler Murray and Carson Wentz, potential picks. I could grab a Kyler Murray here. I really like him. I don't think he's necessarily a nudge up to the next round, but he's going to get a ton of volume like we talked about with Christian Kirk. And they have so many wide receivers there. Yeah, there might not be more than one wide receiver that's worth drafting, maybe two. But Kyler Murray is going to get his stats up, passing out of the backfield to David Johnson, passing Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, spreading the ball around like they want to do. Kyler Murray has a 4,000 yard with 400 rushing yard potential easily. I mean, I believe in college he ran for over 600 yards or something along those lines. He has the potential to, to break and be a higher end quarterback. So you know what? I'm going to move up Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray should belong slightly higher than this. I'd, I'd probably put him in the back end of the next round. Take your quarterback. Hey, if he's there, I don't think he's going to be there in the seventh round. I think somebody's going to take him early seventh round or late sixth round. That's what's been happening in a lot of drafts. He normally goes before Matt Ryan because people want to take that shot. But if he's there in the back end of the second round, seventh round, take him. He's going to be worth it. He's going to put up those numbers. I mean, I, I could see him passing for close to 500 attempts. They're going to be down in a lot of games. Their team is not good. He's going to need to get it out of his hands, so he's going to have a bunch of short completions. But he's going to... He's going to move. And right now he's being taken. He's being taken as the eighth overall quarterback. I think you could take a shot on him right there. I think eighth is reasonable, but there's just there's a lot of potential there. I, I, I'm going to bump him up slightly. There's nobody from this round that I would, I would typically bump up to the next round because these are the safe round. So I'm going to have to go with uh, Kyler Murray on this one. And I don't know if I covered uh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller is coming off an ACL tear, and he's only going to be a few months removed. It's a brutal injury. He's not going to be healthy, ready to go week one, I don't think. He's just had problems i'm sticking to i liked will fuller a lot in the beginning of uh the summertime but i'm actually moving away from will fuller just because of the rounds he's risen up from it's going a little bit too high for me i just don't want to take take a risk in these rounds these are my safe picks like i talked about before will fuller is just not an option for me at this point now if i had to bump somebody down to the next round it's going to be geronimo allison but i already talked about geronimo allison on two receiver sets they said that they're running with marquez Valtez scantling and the two wide receiver sets instead of geronimo allison if this is the case, it's not the fact that I hate Geronimo Allison. It's the fact that he's going to end up, even if he does go in a few different two wide, two wide receiver sets, just depending on what they're trying to do on certain plays, he's still going to be sharing snaps with another wide receiver. And I don't want to take a guess on who's going to have a big week and who they're going to use more. So I could obviously bump down Geronimo Allison out of this uh, round, put him in the uh, ninth round. But I'm going to do it with Ronald Jones because I am not a fan of Ronald Jones. He busted last year. And everybody knew it. And then he comes in and says that he added 13 pounds of muscle. But the word is on the streets that it's not muscle, it's fat. Putting on 13 pounds of muscle, even if he did, he's an agility speed back. Why is 13 pounds of muscle good for him? His best trait was being quick and nimble in the pockets and busting big runs. And now you're adding weight onto that frame? I just don't see why his value is so high. I don't see why they're saying he's going to take the starting job from Peyton Barber, who has proved he's extremely, extremely reliable and tough, and he stays healthy. And I'm bringing in Andre Ellington to be the, the passing down back, potentially. Let's see what happens with that. Might be a little bit too stubborn set of my ways and, and going off previous years, well, last year. But I'm not a fan of Ronald Jones in any stretch of the imagination. So that's going to do it for part one of our fantasy bumps and fantasy values. Appreciate you guys for listening in. Next week, we're going to cover the rest of the rounds and go a little bit deeper into our sleeper sections and who to look for deeper in your drafts. 
appreciate you guys for listening. I'll see you guys next time for your fantasy football intervention. My mom's dope, my niggas is dope, the switch up is dope, the pick up is dope, they feelin' no way, they